Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, excited to talk about joy because we value joy. We choose joy. And we have to choose joy because we live in a world that is incredibly cynical, skeptical, bitter, negative. There's just this whole spiral of negativity that we can dive into or get sucked into in this world where we end up even feeling like we begin to hate people that are different than us or think differently than us. So there's that, that whole side of it with this bitterness and cynicism. But then there's also the, the struggles, the trials that we all go through. That we all have these hard times in our life and people around us that have these hard times in their life. And we're even sometimes able to muscle our way through those, but we're just beginning to feel exhausted. Like, I don't know if I can muscle my way through another hard time in my life. And then there's just, there's guilt and shame. There's our own temptations and sin, and we're feeling guilty, we're feeling shame. Guilt is sometimes good, shame is bad. Guilt is, is sometimes like where, that's a good thing to help us see the right way to go, but shame is put on us by others, but we feel all of it, and we feel burdened by it from our past and the way we've sinned or hurt others or been selfish or given in to those temptations of sex and greed and power and all the different ways that we are tempted in this world. And so I want us to be able to think about how all of that is weighing us down. We feel this burden from all of that, the pressure of all of that. But I believe that joy and this specific kind of joy, this joy in the Lord, I believe that is what can relieve that pressure, that can lift that burden. I believe that that kind of joy is what helps us completely know that our guilt and shame is gone and we can actually celebrate because of what God has done in the midst of all of this, that God's joy will lift that. And it is, again, reason to throw a party. So we throw a party because we feel guilty. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean we throw a party? It's a guilt party, right? A guilt trip. No, that's different. But a guilt party is what I want us to think about here. And uh, I want to explain what I mean by that as we go into this. Okay, I'll, I'll walk us through what I mean by we throw a party because we feel guilty. Some of these themes I've talked about before and I'm going to talk about today and I'm probably going to keep talking about in the future. FYI, I think this is important stuff for us to know and I love it because I believe that joy in the Lord is what is so important for us in this world that we live in. That we are burdened by guilt and God says, I have something more for you, so throw a party because of it. Now, we uh, will look into this verse that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Nehemiah 8.10, where it's got this classic part, go eat the fat, drink the sweet, where I've said this is my life verse, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and I love that. Uh, we're also to share with others, send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, just to get us reminded of what's happening in this story, in Nehemiah 8, in the book of Nehemiah, it have, you have the people of Israel. The people of Israel and Judah, uh, uh, these two kingdoms that we all kind of think of now as just Israel, right? But you've got these people are in exile. They've been exiled from their land. Now, that's like sounds sometimes now it's like a Bible word that you're like, whatever, I don't know, they're in exile, sure. Now, 
you got to think about this. Think about if another nation were to invade and defeat America and then take us out of America and to live in their country. The people of of Judah were there for at least 50 years. You had the previous defeat by Assyria like 250 plus years ago. So they have been living in this other country that does not follow the ways of their God. But now they've been immersed in that and they're finally able to come back. To Israel. That's incredible. Now, don't mess this up. America is not the chosen people of God, and we are not God's promised land. But just to get yourself into thinking about what that would be like, that's, that's intense. And so now they're, they're so excited. They're back in their land. They're rebuilding the nation, rebuilding Jerusalem, and they're rebuilding the walls of the city, and then we'll rebuild the temple itself as well. And so and in the the time that they're doing this, they actually gather all of the people. It says they gather all the people at the water gate, and what they do is from, it says, from daybreak to midday, early morning to midday. So you're talking five, six hours, something like that. It just says the people all stand up and listen to the law being read to them. They listen to the Torah, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. Okay, they listen to that being read aloud to them. They stand and listen. Next week's worship service, six-hour standing up Bible reading time outside. Okay? Uh, (laughs) It's pretty awesome, though. Uh, And what happens is, is the people begin to be moved and convicted, and they begin to weep. Just by hearing this, hearing the Word of God read to them for hours, they begin to weep. And so you think like, okay, they must be weeping by some sense of conviction or being moved by God, whatever that is. But then you think the priests and and all of them would be like, all right, yeah, we got them right where we want them. You know, that's like the pastor move, get you to cry. Now I've got you where I want you. uh, And now you're moldable, you know. (laughs) No, like what he does, the the priests and Ezra and Nehemiah, they say, stop crying. (laughs) Stop crying. Don't weep. Don't mourn. He says, celebrate. It says, eat the fat, drink the sweets, share with those who have nothing prepared. Don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The, um, that's the, the NASB, which I actually highly prefer, but the Nehemiah in this one, but uh, in the NLT, which is those Bibles in the back of the seat there in front of you, Nehemiah 8.10 says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. All right? I kind of like eat the fat better, but, you know, it's fine. Feast, but that's what it is. It's a feast of rich foods. So it's not, you know, you're not having to just go have some big side of fat, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's awesome. Like, just have this celebration of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it goes on in verse 12 to say, so the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal. <laughs> they did it, right? So they go off and they have a party. So I want you to, to see that what's going on here is they are moved to the point of tears. This sense of conviction, this sense of uh, they're hearing the, the way that God has said they are supposed to live. They, they're hearing the words of God's instructions for how they would conduct their lives. They're seeing the work that God had done in, uh, through creation into their time in bondage and slavery and then his deliverance of them. They're hearing all of that. I don't know exactly what portions were read because I think the whole Torah would take about 
15, 17 hours to read the whole thing. They probably had about five to six. So they were reading some portions, but whatever it was, it moved them to this sense of, the good sense of guilt, which we can call conviction, right? And then that leads them to tears, and they say, no, 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 don't cry. That's actually a good thing. It's good that you are convicted because that leads to forgiveness, okay? This is what you want. You want to be moved. That leads to a repentance and to forgiveness and to joy, that there is joy in the midst of this. We normally have parties, right, for things like birthdays or anniversaries or retirements or promotions or whatever that might be. I don't know. We have, like, holidays for these things. We celebrate things, and we have these awesome parties for that. Uh, I remember I had a party in high school, and it was like your typical kind of like what you'd see in the movies, sort of high school teen party, right? And I got super in trouble, major in trouble for this party. I got totally caught, busted, and I'd made this whole lie up that people, because the stuff got broken. My dad had this garden that got trampled. He loved his garden. And as my, I made up this whole lie that people had come over to toilet paper our house, and they trampled his garden. And then when my dad looked at me, with tears in his eyes and said, I can't believe that your friends would do that. And I looked at him, literally with tears in his eyes, and I said, I know, I can't believe they did that either. And just lied to his face. And then completely busted in trouble, neighbors ratted me out. And uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, kids, you have neighbors, don't forget that. Uh, so then, uh <laughs> but when my dad sat me down then after that, as he's looking at me and telling me that he knew the truth, I felt horrible, horrible because of what I had done. And it wasn't just, I was avoiding getting caught before. Now, this was real conviction. Conviction setting in of guilt. I deserve to feel guilty. I was guilty, right? <laughs> and so I was convicted of this, and I actually meant it. I actually meant it. And so what I actually should have done, according to God's word, what I should have done at this point was throw another party. <laughs> I don't know how my dad would have felt about that. But what I should have done was throw another party, but a different kind of party. I should have gone and eaten the fat, drank the sweet, maybe just a root beer at that time. Uh, but, you know, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and share with those for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because we are to celebrate when that conviction comes, because conviction leads to repentance, leads to forgiveness. Right? Do you see that? Do you see that? We are to celebrate that and what God has done. So we celebrate the grace that we've been given by God, and we celebrate how we receive forgiveness and healing. When we come into the presence of God, we receive forgiveness and we receive healing. I don't know if you know this, but interestingly, uh, there's a physical effect of sin in our lives, according to the Word of God. Grab your Bible, uh, Bible back in the seat in front of you. Turn to Psalm 38. I want to uh, read, read some of this, kind of right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 38. I want to read a couple passages that you might not even be aware of. This is almost like a little bit of an aside, but I think it's kind of, kind of cool, and it will relate to this, and it will relate to the, the topic we talked about with passion, that Bible verse. Psalm 38, verse 3. Because of your anger... David saying to God, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. You hear that? We can be physically, physically affected by our guilt. 
And so when we have this guilt that's unresolved, it affects us physically. He says in verse 5, My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. Not because of a battle wound, because of his sin. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Guilt creating physical sickness in our bodies. Flip back to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, just a few chapters before there. Verse 1, David says here, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Other versions say, Blessed are those whose sins are covered. When your sins are covered, you're blessed, you have joy. And then see where it goes? Verse 2, it says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. My guilt is gone. See that? Then the very last one of, uh, very last verse of 32 says, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who, who obey him. Shout for joy. So we're to celebrate and shout for joy because of what he has done. Because you see, when we are in sin, we are feeling that guilt. We have that guilt upon us. We even have that shame upon us at times. And what we need to do then is as we repent and as we seek the Lord for forgiveness, he grants us that. He covers our sin. He's taken it and put it out of sight from us and gotten rid of it completely. And now we can rejoice because there is joy in that presence of the Lord. So we're to throw a party and celebrate. So what I want to do is I've got this whole idea for a, a holiday. Okay, I want us to start a holiday. And it's going to be a new thing that we're going to do. I've actually tried this a couple times. Uh, it's called 810 Day. All right, just with like some small group of people. But 810 Day. So you all on August 10th, Nehemiah 810, 810, August 10th. August 10th is now like the Calvary holiday. Okay, so August 10th is 810 Day where we celebrate, where we eat the fat and drink the sweet and share with those who have nothing prepared. We don't cry. Okay, don't no crying allowed in 810 Day. Uh, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we celebrate that. And so maybe next year on August 10th, have a, have a party, celebrate, have some barbecue, whatever, you know, enjoy yourselves and celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we want to be able to do that. And we can do that each day, rejoicing and celebrating. Rejoice. It's kind of a christian Bible word, right? Rejoice. It just means to joy. It's a, it's a verb joy, right? I'm going to joy a lot. So I'm joying out. That's what we're doing. As we rejoice, we're expressing joy for what God has done. And joy, where do we find it? Joy is found in the presence of God. Now, here's what's cool. Like, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about passion. And we talked about those guys that took their friend, uh, and they were trying to get their paralyzed friend to be in the presence of Jesus. So they dug the hole in the roof and lowered him down. 
All of that, all of that passionate effort was so that they could get their friend into the presence of God himself. And you know what they found there? What they found there, like what that man found was forgiveness of his sins and healing of his body. You found both. So even as we're talking about this, about this, we have this spiritual, supernatural effect of our sin and separating us from God. And so we need to be made right with God. We also have the way that that guilt is affecting our bodies and we can experience healing from that. And so God is saying, yes, celebrate that. Celebrate that you have this full healing and God is there with you. And so we dig holes in roofs to get people, including ourselves, into the presence of God. Now, usually, I think of, uh, what if I'm thinking about, I, I want to I get myself into the presence of God. The presence of God is always around us at all times, so it's usually more of be, being more aware of the presence of God already with you and around you. Uh, and so usually, when, for me, that's through things like worship, through reading of the scriptures, through prayer, through silence and solitude, through trying to listen for the voice of God. It's those sorts of moments are typically where, like, that's what I'm doing. If I'm thinking, like, I want to be more aware of the presence of God. I want to be more in the presence of God in this moment. That's what I'm doing. And all that's true. And all that's good. And we need to do all that kind of stuff. Okay, it's great for us. But there's something interesting and unique when it comes to this joy of the Lord of where we can find it and, and how we find it in addition to that, and it's maybe not what you'd expect. And so when you look at that word that says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, that word joy there, it's this Hebrew word, chedva, okay? Chedva, it's got that cool like Hebrew thing where you do the, right? So chedva, so say chedva. Yeah, even you on the couch at home, come on, chedva, <laughs> all right? Uh, they tend to ignore us at home, which isn't very nice. But, um, you know, it's like, okay, so chedva is that word for joy. And that word joy in this verse is different than most of the time. There's another word, simcha, and some other ones, even these Hebrew words for joy. Most of the time there's these other words. But there's two places, and two places only, that chedva is in the Bible. Okay? It's this, the joy of the Lord is your strength, the chedva of the Lord is your strength, and it's in one other spot. And that other spot is 1 Chronicles 16.27. Now, you're probably thinking, Eric, what happens in 1 Chronicles 16.27? I'll tell you. Okay, so here it is. Now, this is where the people of Israel, this is the time of King David's rule and reign, uh, before they built the temple, and they're, they're in this encampment, and they've been fighting against the Philistines. This, uh, they're going back and forth in war with the Philistines. And the Philistines actually got the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is this chest, has the Ten Commandments in it. It is where the actual presence of God dwells. That's how God speaks of it, is the presence of God himself dwells within the Ark of the Covenant. All right, now get your brain away from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not about all that, okay? But it's that intense, okay? So you've got the, this chest, and it is it would be carried along with them wherever they went and they'd set up the tabernacle, this tent version of the temple, and they'd put the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies and that's where the presence of God literally would dwell, in that chest. And so also they would take it out with them to war. And when they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, they would have success. When they didn't have it with them, they would be defeated. And so when the Philistines get it, 
that's like, oh no, we're, we're done for, right? And so then there comes then this moment. It's hard, I can't tell every aspect of the story. But then there's this time where they're finally able to get it back. So they're able to get the Ark of the Covenant back. And the Ark of the Covenant is coming back up into the camp of Israel. And what's going on in this scene is it's kind of coming up in parade. And the, the people are rejoicing. And King David himself is celebrating and rejoicing. And it's that whole passage that, that you hear about where he dances before the Lord. And he's just dancing before the Lord in this way. He doesn't care who sees it. He doesn't care at all. It's like Buddy the Elf when Santa's on his way. Okay, This is what uh, King David is like. Just celebrating in that kind of sense. And so as, as he's doing that, as he's dancing, even his wife's like, how dare you like, dance like this? You're bringing shame. And then he says, I'll become even more undignified than this. I don't care. I will dance and sing. And there's songs about this that we sing today. But it's just this awesome moment. And then what happens right after that, and that's what First Chronicles 16 is, is he writes a song. David has uh, like a collab with uh, this guy Asaph, who are like the two greatest songwriters in the whole Old Testament. Okay, so they're together creating this like ultimate um, songwriting force. And they write this song. And in this song, one of the lines in this song is this. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. So they're singing out to God as the ark is coming up. And the, li- and the line is, Splendor and majesty are before our God. Strength and chedva are in his dwelling place. Okay, so this joy, this joy word is, the joy of the Lord is our strength. After we have this conviction of sin and we have a party with fat and sweet drinks, then it's over here where the actual presence of God, okay? The ark is coming up and he says, Strength and and joy are found in the presence of God, the dwelling place of God in that ark. All right? So they're celebrating that, and they're saying, we have joy in this, and that joy is a joy that gives us strength. It's a special kind of joy. And so now it's time to celebrate because the presence of God is here, and that's where strength and joy are found. Only those two spots in the whole Bible, and both times, joy is paired with strength. Chedva is always paired with strength. So this joy will strengthen you. So you think back then to the bitterness and the negativity and the cynicism of our world today. And you think this joy in the Lord will strengthen us for that time. You think about your times of uh, just your own struggles, your own trials. And how it's like, I don't know if I can muscle my way through another one of these. The joy of the Lord will strengthen you. And it's found in the presence of God. And you think about your guilt and your shame. What you did last night. What you did last week. What you've done in the deep past that's bringing you that guilt and maybe even shame. And God says, there's joy in the Lord that will strengthen you for those moments. That your sin is covered by his forgiveness. You find that strength. And so what's so cool, though, is at one time, the presence of God was found in arks and tents and temples. But when Jesus came, when Jesus, God himself, came to live upon this earth, and he lived the perfect life that none of us could live, 
And that he willingly then went upon the cross and died upon that cross to take the sins of the world upon himself to cancel our debt of sin, to cancel what we deserved as death. He paid upon the cross. And then he was buried and then he came back to life again on the third day in victory and power, destroying, defeating death, destroying and defeating sin, making it so our sins could be covered for all time and for all eternity. God did that. And then Jesus ascended into heaven and then gave the Holy Spirit to us. And so you see at the upper room, there's this moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon the people and now the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That God himself dwells within believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus Christ. God himself dwells within us. And so what I need you to understand here then is that God used to dwell in arks and temples and tents, but now he dwells in you. Now God dwells in you. For you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's all over the New Testament. Paul told um, the people in Athens, he said, God who made the world and everything in it does not live in temples made by human hands. And then he asked the people in Corinth a question and he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst and you together, he says, are that temple. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And finally, he says to the Ephesians, he says, in him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So you are the dwelling place of God. You are now, and not just you alone, but even all of us together, we are knit together to be the dwelling place of God. Strength and joy are found in God's dwelling place. So if fellow believers are around us, we are able to find that joy that gives us strength through one another. So we look for it in solitude, we look for it in prayer, but we look for it in one another. And what I also want all of us to think about with this, not just of the cool gift that it is that our fellow believers should, should provide for us that kind of joy and that kind of strength, but that we get the opportunity to be that for someone else. So when you express the joy of the Lord to someone, you are expressing the presence of God to them. You are being the presence of God for them and being a strength to them. So at some level, God's just doing it whether we do anything or not. But how cool is that we can partner with God to be that for people, right? To be able to express that. It's kind of the thing like you might have the joy of the Lord in your heart, but let your face know, you know, that whole thing. Because sometimes we're grouchy pants and we need to kind of put on <laughs> a bit of like clothe ourselves with the joy of the Lord. Like clothe ourselves with that that it says in Colossians that we need to put that on as well and wear that for others. And so being the joy of the Lord for each other. And so to remember that in all things, that you are a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so the church, the big C church, not just this building of Calvary Church, but the church is that dwelling place of God. And so church should be a party, man. Church should be where we eat the fat and drink the sweet and share with those who have nothing prepared. And we should not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
So I want to encourage us as we come even here and as we gather together in different contexts, let's be that for one another. Let's be the joy of the Lord. And we can even be that, we can be that every day, but especially on August 10th. Okay, it's going to be a big thing. August 10th, don't forget, mark your calendars. Get out your phones even if you need to right now. Mark it for next year. Because uh, we live this out. Now joy then finally, just quickly on this. So joy is found in the presence of God, which is in each other. But joy then gives us strength that fuels our passion, okay? Joy is what will give us strength to fuel our passion. So as we've talked about passion, we've talked about, I mean, we think about all these values we've been talking about in this value series. Truth, I think about grace, the truth of grace that is for people, right? The truth of God's grace that is for people. We value people. We want people to experience that. We want to live that out with passion and we want to do that as a team. And as a team, we're on mission together to help everyone experience that kind of joy that's in the Lord because our sin is covered, right? So like all of those values are coming together and we live that out with passion. But passion is how we express that mission. And so we are on that mission together. And I think joy will strengthen us for that. Interesting quote, I think, by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a theologian since past that has a quote in his book called Joy Unspeakable. And the quote is this. He says, that is how Christianity conquered the ancient world. Hear that? This is how Christianity conquered the ancient world. It was the amazing joy of these people. Even when you threw them into prison or even to death, it did not matter. They went on rejoicing, rejoicing in tribulation. So this theologian telling us that it's this joy expressed by these early believers when they're being attacked, when they're being oppressed, when everything's not going their way, when the government is not on their side, they are rejoicing, rejoicing in tribulation, filled with joy. They're not filled with bitterness. They're not filled with cynicism. They're not filled with anger towards people. They're expressing joy. And it's that joy that helped them conquer the ancient world. So let's join in with that, right? That we would be like people that reflect and display the joy of God to the world. Not the like, I don't like you because you disagree with me part of our faith or something. Like let's actually express the joy of the Lord. And they were able to express that at all times because they were completely and passionately committed to the mission and the cause that God had given them through all their trials, through all their suffering. There's a, a man in our church um, who's one of our elders, actually, John Reed. John Reed is an amazing, amazing man, and he expresses the joy of the Lord almost more than anybody I know. You might know him as Officer Reed, kids out there, but, uh, or adult kids now, um, as, he, <laughs> uh, as he was an amazing dare officer. But um, John just expresses the joy of the Lord, and he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot of suffering and hard times in his life. And he still expresses that joy of the Lord. We had made this video that we thought we could kind of show as like a little, you know, few minute video portion of the service. It turned into a 30 minute video. So it was a little long for right now. Um, <laughs> but we think you will love it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to release it in a couple ways this week as a bonus episode of the podcast audio. And then also like on YouTube and Vimeo and all that where and I'll email it out in our email this week. But I just want you to be able to watch this whole thing. It's, John just expresses so beautifully the joy of the Lord 
is a person that's experienced real suffering, but also expresses real authentic joy in God. So for us, when you think about joy and expressing that passionately, it's probably going to take some stretching on your part. It's going to take some willingness to let go of your stuff. It's going to take some kind of being pushed out of your comfort zones at times. But I believe when we do, we will see that God brings joy into those times of bitterness or envy or cynicism, trials, struggles, guilt, and shame. That we can celebrate because God has covered it. Jesus has covered it with the blood he shed upon the cross and the power of the resurrection. And so we choose joy. We choose joy. Sometimes it's hard to feel joy, so we choose joy. We choose to throw the party. We have the party to celebrate what God has done. Has done. We choose to see the joy instead of the cynicism. We choose to recognize our guilt, even when it can be good. Sometimes it's good. I think we've kind of like dismissed guilt so much in our culture as bad because of what shame is. We've forgotten that guilt is good because it should point us towards repentance. And that leads to forgiveness, right? And healing and hope in Jesus. So we choose to recognize that Jesus is the only thing that will cover our guilt and shame. And we celebrate that. And we choose to engage with other Christians. No matter what we've experienced in our past with that, we choose to engage with other Christians so that we can experience the presence of God. And we choose to live being the joyful presence of God for other believers as well. And we choose to have joy strengthen our passion as we live our mission out for Jesus in this world. So I believe that joy is a beautiful thing and I want to live a life of joy and I invite you to live a life of joy with me. And so I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to sing. And we're going to celebrate the reason we have joy because Jesus defeated death. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these, these stories and these examples of what it means to have joy and how we can have joy in, in our crazy world, Lord. Lord, you are the light in the darkness. You have defeated death. You have defeated sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the victor. You have won the war for all time. And so we place our trust in you. We place our hope in you, Lord. We have joy in you. Joy in the Lord. Thank you, God. And so we celebrate now what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing this together.